You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Thursday, January 25th. The 49ers have begun practicing for their week in preparation for the NFC Championship game on Sunday, and we anxiously await stats Debo Samuel we did get some updates Wednesday and joining me to talk all about it is Rob stats Guerrero how you doing Rob Steph I am horrible right now I'm so anxious and nervous when I even start thinking about this game I get a stomach ache and like my blood pressure goes through the roof and it's Thursday I don't know how I'm going to make it to Sunday that's so like I I Definitely want to pick your brain on that because I did plan to ask you, like, what was your confidence level compared to last week? I know how you felt last week. Uh, so definitely, you know, we'll we'll talk about that. As always, we start the show with this week in 49ers history. And, you know, I do have to keep it kind of relevant uh, once again. So. This week of 49ers history, January 20th, 2013. It was a 2012-2013 NFC Championship game. 49ers versus Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan gets Atlanta to a hot start, throwing for nearly 300 yards in the first half alone. At one point, the Falcons were up 17-0. At halftime, the 49ers were able to cut the lead down to 10. It was uh, 14-24 at halftime. And the Falcons would not score again. After that, the 49ers completed the comeback in the second half with help from Frank Gore, who had two scores in the second half. And of course, the defense who stepped up, especially Navarro Bowman, who had the infamous pass breakup on a pass to Roddy White on fourth and four. Biggest comeback in NFC championship game history. 17 nothing on the road. Colin Kaepernick in his ninth ever start ever career start. Um, it was an unbelievable game. I was just talking with my son about this game because all, all we do now is talk about the 49ers championship game. And I was saying when the Niners beat the Packers in 2019, it was a blowout. Like you knew the Niners were going to the Super Bowl in the third quarter of that game. But that game in 2012 was the complete opposite. We didn't know what was going to happen until the very end, until that pass was broken up. It was a completely mm-hmm. different feeling. My wife has a picture of me just leaping in the air, high-fiving my best friend, just because I was like, holy crap, we're going to the Super Bowl, and I'm completely off the ground, like, just pure (laughs) elation. It is such a weird feeling knowing that on Sunday, we're headed for either extreme happiness and joy or absolute misery. And it's only one of the two. There is no other feeling that we will have after this game on Sunday. And that's why my my stomach is all twisted up right now. Yeah, I think I'm like telling myself that I'm like mentally prepared for any scenario, including a loss, of course. And I don't think I am. Like, I think I'm just like trying to tell myself that. But no, it would be catastrophic I think uh for the 49ers and for us fans to have to go through that again so please don't um please don't (laughs) 49ers (laughs) but you know you I I don't know if you remember Rob but in this game too Michael Crabtree almost screwed it up because he had a goal line fumble um I believe kind of late in the game it might have been like in the fourth quarter uh but 
ultimately the defense, like I said, they stepped up in that one and they forced the punt on the other side. So that was good. Uh, but it isn't a coincidence that I chose, you know, a hardball era history tidbit today uh, because yesterday we found out that he's the new head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. Rob, how you, how you feel about that? Hardball back in the NFL. Uh, I like I like it. I always like Jim Harbaugh. I think he's an interesting character. I mean, speaking of the Lions, like remember when he almost got into a fight with Jim Schwartz when Schwartz was the head coach of the Lions? Like he's interesting. It will not be boring with the Chargers. Um, I'm happy to see it. I hope he does well. Not too well, you know, but uh, cool to see Jim Harbaugh back. Um, I'll be interested to see if he tries doing the same stuff, because I remember talking with Joe Staley last year and Joe, <laughs> as like this kind of stuff or <laughs> no, like the motivational, like the, who's got it better than us. The uh, member, he got the, like the bus driver shirts, the blue collar shirts for everybody. Apparently he did the same thing at Michigan that he did with the 49ers. Like Staley kind of implied that like, he's sort of like one trick pony. Like he's got one kind of message that he delivers and then it kind of, you know, he doesn't really change it too much. And since he never stays very long in any one place, he just reuses it over and over again. So it'll be interesting to see if he does it again. But I, I would argue that Pete Carroll kind of is the same way. And he got it to work for as long as he did. So who knows? I do like that landing spot for Harbaugh, though. Um, I think it's awesome for a team that doesn't have a lot of fans. I think there's <laughs> there's going to be a lot of people rooting for Harbaugh and the Chargers this year. There's a lot of 49er fans who still, you know, really like Harbaugh and, and root for him to this day. Many of which live in the, you know, Southern California area. So who knows, maybe some 49er fans will make the trip to some of those games as well as some Michigan fans. Uh, so I think it's good for the Chargers all around. I'm looking forward to see seeing who he hires uh, for his coordinators, Greg Roman is available, but his other 49ers counterpart, Vic Fangio, is headed to Philadelphia. We just found out that he is going to be Philly's defensive coordinator going forward. Now, I know Fangio was, uh, you know, they said they parted ways, right? Dolphins and, and Fangio, but really, I, you know, they let him go. And I think it was a tough draw for Fangio because it's not that he was doing bad, but they had a ton of injuries, like just too many to to overcome I think and I don't think that's really on Fangio so I'm excited no not excited um I mean I I'm a fan of Fangio but of course like I'm a little worried about him being in Philadelphia uh as long as Nick Sirianni is there like what does Nick Sirianni do he's not in charge of the offense anymore he's not in charge of the defense they literally asked him in his press conference, like, what do you do? And he was like, well, I, I ensure that the culture is good. It's like right now the culture in Philly is horrible. So I, I, I'm not worried. Go ahead, Fangio. You do you. Every time you played a good offense, you got smoked this year. And let's see what they do at offensive coordinator, because that's still up in yep. the air for Philly. So something to keep an eye on. But look. Why are we talking about other teams? I mean, our team is in the NFC Championship game this weekend, and we got plenty to talk about there. So let's get into it. Of course, we've got some updates from Debo Samuel. Well, not from Debo Samuel, but about Debo Samuel. Uh, Kyle Shanahan spoke with the media yesterday, and before practice, he was very vague about you know any questions regarding Debo Samuel. He just said he wasn't going to practice. Everyone else was a full participant. Um, he's feeling better. 
it makes Kyle feel better <laughs> that there's optimism. He'll be available for Sunday. And he didn't even go into any detail about what specifically the injury is. He just said his shoulder hurts. So yeah. Thanks Kyle for all of that information. Kyle is, he's going full hockey coach right now in what, <laughs> hockey playoffs. They just, they don't even tell you what body part they just say upper body injury, lower body injury. So at least we know it's a shoulder with Debo. Uh, I think he's going to play. My question is, is he going to be like Debo? I don't know. Like, can he be as physical as he is with a shoulder that's banged up? I have no idea. Maybe he'll be a decoy. I don't know, but I think he'll be on the field. Um, But I think the fact that Kyle knows what's up now and he's not going to be sort of surprised by it like he was last week, I think he'll have a better plan in place. Yeah, typical Kyle not wanting to give too much information, leave the Lions, you know, on their toes. But for reporters who were on the ground at 49ers practice, like Omar Ruiz of NFL Network, um, he said Debo was working off to the side during the portion of 49ers practice that was open to the media. He did some running uh, the full length of the practice field and back, carried a ball with him at times in our small window of observation. Any discomfort wasn't apparent. So that's good. I mean, like if he can run with the football, because I know like if you saw him Saturday, like he was kind of stiff with that arm, like he wasn't really moving it too much. Now it looks like, you know, he, he's running. It didn't look like he was uncomfortable. So I think that's a good sign. And the fact that he's feeling better, like four days after sustaining the injury, think about what four more days could do uh, for him feeling better. And that's another advantage for the 49ers in this game. They have one more day of rest than the Lions did. and the Lions also lose part of a day due to travel. That's a damn shame, ain't it? <laughs> I mean, look, That's you know, <laughs> the Lions, it's so funny listening to all the reaction because the Lions were in a one-score game against the Buccaneers, who I think most people would have said are worse than the Packers. And the Lions also needed an interception late in this game to seal the mm-hmm. deal. But when you hear people talk about the NFC Championship game, I feel like all you hear is, Oh, the Lions are good. The Lions could do this. The Lions are going to move zones. The Lions have an offense, their offensive line, their running game, blah, blah, blah. And with the 49ers, it's all the ways they're vulnerable. It's Brock Purdy was shaky. It's it's really kind of interesting. And that's why I, I said yesterday that I think Kyle needs to push the idea that America doesn't want to see the 49ers win this game. America is hoping that the Cinderella Detroit Lions get in the Super Bowl to face the big bad Ravens or the big bad Chiefs. If I was Kyle, that's the message I would send to this 49ers team. Yeah. And I mean, if the Lions, the big bad, the big bad Ravens face the Lions, it's going to be a big bad game in the Super Bowl because the last time those two teams went against each other wasn't even close. I guess you could say the same about the 49ers, but I think they would uh, compete a little bit better uh, the second time around than the Lions would. Uh, I want to address this comment from Technic Sheik. Uh, says, heard from a reporter that while Debo did not practice, he was working off or he was off working on the sidelines. So, yes, he he didn't practice. Uh, yeah, so he didn't actually practice. He was working off to the side. I loved the 49ers injury report yesterday, which was did not practice. Debo Samuel did practice. Everybody else. <laughs> like That's a pretty crazy injury report. Now, obviously, Cleveland Farrell is not included in that because he's out for the year on IR. Talanoa Hufanga is not included in that. But still, all things considered, at this point, the 49ers are still relatively healthy. Yeah, I think Debo will play in this game. The question is, 
how how much involvement is he going to have? What can we expect from him? Like, is he just going to be a decoy? I know with that injury, like we we don't really expect that his full range of motion is going to be there. Uh, so that could be tough for him as far as like, you know, catching the football and things like that. Maybe even blocking, like even that could be hindered uh, by this injury. Uh, but I think even if he's just there as a decoy, I think it's going to help this 49ers team. And I think it's important for him to be out there. And, and if it's an issue of pain tolerance as well, I think there's there's a better sign that he would be able to play in this game. Yeah, I mean, the fact that it's not broken is obviously very good. I'm sure that some of his ligaments there are uh, a little cranky, but, you know, it's the NFC Championship game, man. And I, these are the times where you got to gut it out. There, there's a reason you're getting those millions of dollars, and this is part of it. That's all included in that paycheck. And I think he will. Um, like you said, I don't know how big of a part of the game plan he's going to have, but he's one of the players that has so much gravity. And when you combine his gravity with McCaffrey's gravity, that's why they're so successful when those two are together. Because you have two guys that even if they're not even part of the play, force the defense to account for them in a lot of ways, especially if, you know, you shift one guy before the snap, then you send the other guy in motion. And then the defense is like, wait, my responsibilities just changed three times. And now the play is starting and, oh, crap, the, the ball is out. Like, it, he's going to have an impact, even if he only catches like one or two passes. Yeah, it, exactly. Uh, and so, Rob, assuming that Debo Samuel suits up um, and, you know, maybe he's a decoy or whatever, let's go back to the confidence level conversation. Okay. You said at the top of the show, you're nervous about this game, but is that just because it's the NFC Championship game and, you know, this is a big game? Or is it because, oh, no, it's the Detroit Lions? Um. The Lions part of it scares me in that if it's a close game, I have way more confidence in Dan Campbell to handle the situations correctly, handle the clock properly, handle fourth down properly. I have more confidence in him than I do Kyle. I mean, Kyle just butchered that end of the first half last week. It was a hideous handling of everything. And he sits there after the game and says, well, we had a big play drawn up for Brandon Ayuk. It's like, well, you can't make everything come down to one play. Not when you have the ball with a minute and 19 seconds left and three timeouts in enemy territory. You can't just say, well, we didn't hit this one play, so we had to settle for a long field goal in the rain. But that's what scares me. It's more the fact that the 49ers' shortcomings can hurt them against anybody. It's not specifically the Lions that makes me nervous. Yeah, and Kyle Shanahan was specifically asked about, you know, the Lions and Dan Campbell's aggressiveness. Uh and, you know, pretty much Kyle just said it doesn't change his strategy at all. Um, Rob, can you see the, the yep. slide? Because, okay, cool. Because I can't. My, I'm on my hotspot right now. Okay, <laughs> you want me to read it? Yeah, you can just read parts of it or just the highlights. So yeah, Kyle was asked if it changes his strategy. He said, not much. You prepare for it. When it's third down, they might have two tries, a lot more than other teams do. But percentage-wise, they're willing to go for fake punts and all that stuff. Anytime you try to steal possessions, you're also offering an opportunity to lose possession. So those are opportunities for them, but they're also big opportunities for us too. You can come up with more than half of them. I feel it's in our favor. Even in that answer, Steph, he he's like in his fears, right? He's afraid. Yeah. He's talking about how, what if it doesn't work out for that? We yeah. could uh -huh. like, he's so scared. I, I don't want to say it like that. Let me say it like this. 
I think sometimes he plays way too much to avoid the worst case scenario rather than to try and achieve the best case scenario. Like just because you avoid the worst case scenario doesn't mean that you've helped yourself. And that's what I worry about with Kyle. I mean, he isn't wrong, though. There are those times where we've seen opposing teams be aggressive, go for it on fourth down, try it, you know, fake special teams play. And it actually ends up working in the 49ers' favor because they're able to stop it. And lo and behold, the momentum goes to the 49ers. Like, we've seen it on the other side and it not work out for the other team. So, I mean, I don't know. I think he has some reason. <laughs> but I guess, like, if you're going up against a aggressive coach, I would like to see that energy matched a little bit as well, especially, you know, as we're mentioning in the game as important as this one, but it seems like Kyle's going to stick to what he's been doing um, and maybe be more on the conservative side, whether Rob likes it or not. Killing me. You're killing me, Kyle, because I uh, like perfect example. I would rather at the end of the game, the 49ers be down four than be down three. Because if they're down three, I feel like once Kyle gets into field goal range, he takes his foot off the gas and he goes into more of clock killing mode. I don't want to give them any time on the back end of this instead of score a freaking touchdown mode. And I think it actually helped them against the Packers at the end of that game there. The field goal was meaningless. That took it off the table. So it eliminated the will Kyle go for it on fourth down and it just let him keep his foot on the gas the entire time. And I just... It's weird that I would want to be down by an extra point, but I do in this case because I think that that sort of takes Kyle's worst ideas away from him. Now, this comment from Rick Diaz, he says, I think the 49ers defense is going to come out smoking. What's your concern level on the 49ers defense? Because I think we all acknowledge they didn't really play how we expected in that first half against the Packers. Um you know, to the level we've seen them play before and we're expecting them to play after, you know, a really long break. So how are you feeling about this game? The Lions are a very potent offense. The Lions are a potent offense. Um, but I will say that I think, you know, all told, the 49ers gave up 21 points on Saturday against the Packers. And if you go back and look, a lot of the Green Bay's biggest plays were plays where the 49ers defender slipped and fell down and got himself out of position. Um Obviously, I don't think they're going to have to worry about that this weekend. Right now, the forecast looks clear. It looks like it's going to be, you know, 65, 70 degrees. So I think that the defense, they're going to give up some plays. Ben Johnson's a good coordinator, and they have talented people. If Goff's first read is open, he's going to find a way to hit the guy. So they'll give up some, but I don't know that, you know, it's going to be as bad as it necessarily looked on Saturday. Yeah, and I think what looked bad mostly was like the the running defense, right? And, you know, Kyle Shanahan acknowledged it's not good enough. Nick Bosa spoke with the media yesterday, also mentioned like, you know, setting the edge is a big point of emphasis this week. Um, and, you know, one thing that Kyle mentioned is like the Lions, they're going to run like no matter what. At some points in that game against the Packers, despite the run working for them much of the game, it felt like, they would kind of abandon it at some points. And I think what Kyle is saying here in this quote, regardless of who they play, they stick with the run. 
they're not going to do that. They're going to stick with it. So if you're giving them success, uh, that can be a recipe for disaster, in my opinion. Now, as far as setting the edge, I think we're all looking at Chase Young <laughs> because uh, he's been the one most susceptible uh, to not setting the edge. And I think like Bosa kind of mentioned, oh, like, you know, talking to the guys uh, doing that. I feel like he probably had a little one-on-one with <laughs> with Chase Young this week. And I think the thing most concerning with me about Young is like it looks like a lack of effort much of the time with him or just like lack of discipline, maybe both, um, which is concerning. Like if you can't step up for the playoffs in you're showcasing yourself as a free agent as well after the season is over. If you can't step up for that, then I don't know what to tell you. It, it's a little concerning to me. I think we're seeing why Washington was willing to let him go for a comp pick. Let's be honest. Like he has not been the impact player that we thought we were going to get, especially after that first game when he got the sack and it was, you know, it was like, okay, we finally have an answer to opposite Nick Bosa. He just hasn't been it. He hasn't been. The search continues for a, a pass rusher. That's consistent opposite Nick Bosa and a guy that can set the edge. Like you said, I don't expect it to change. What, like you said, it, it should have changed already. It's a playoff game last week. Like it should have changed if it was going to change. I don't think suddenly Chase Young is going to say, okay, now I'll do it. And that's frustrating because they need that. And obviously with Cleveland Farrell out, you know, there's, there's, he's the guy he's going to have to be the guy. And I don't think he's going to be. Yeah. Clinton Farrell on injured reserve now. So there's no chance for him to come back in the playoffs. So it's going to be Chase Young from here on out. Now, one interesting thing I wanted to point out, Clea Davis, uh, 49ers defensive tackle who had a high ankle sprain a few weeks ago. He was placed on injured reserve. They opened his practice window yesterday. And I think that's interesting. And I'll tell you why, because I feel like with Chase Young, maybe not playing to, to the level that they expected with Eric Armstead being back, you know, maybe they, they kind of mess around with the lineup a little bit. I don't know. Maybe they give Kalia Davis some opportunity inside, assuming like he does get activated at some point before the season is over. Um, and then maybe you can have Eric Armstead on the outside. He definitely would do a better job uh, at setting the edge. But just an interesting thought that I had once I saw that news. Yeah, it's it's a tough decision because the lines are banged up. I think their left guard is going to miss this game and the replacement. I think he gave up like six pressures in 25 snaps last week like he really struggled now part of it was because he was facing Vita Vea, who's awesome um but yeah like Armstead can be a disruptive force wherever you put him so I don't know maybe do you put him outside if you think they're going to run and you put him inside on passing downs I don't know but it's an interesting choice the Niners are going to have yeah definitely and I do want to talk about that injury to the Lions uh, offensive line too. Yeah, Jonah Jackson, their starting left guard, is going to be out. That's already a for sure thing. And so it is going to be uh, Coyote Awasika who is going to be starting in his place. At least I would assume so because any other time that Jackson has been out, he has been the guy to fill in as he did last week as well. And you see the numbers here, right? In true uh, passing sets, he's giving up 15.1 uh, pressure rate compared to Jackson's 10.4. And yeah, I was also looking at his numbers from last week's game, 30 pass blocking snaps. And this is from PFF 
five pressures, four hurries, and one quarterback hit given up. He's also, you know, through the span of this season, had a couple of penalties as well. So just something to keep an eye on. This this is where Eric Armstead, Javon Hargrave, they're going to be important for the 49ers in getting that interior pressure. The difference between Jordan Love and Jared Goff as it pertains to pocket presence uh, is is vast because I think we saw Jordan Love wasn't phased by pressure at all. I think we knew that coming into the game, but we saw it in real time. He also tends to scramble quite a bit. I wanted to share this set of tweets from Akash as well because Akash mentions Jared Goff has a fewest scrambles this season when he's under pressure, six most throwaways. So if you can impact the game that way, even if it doesn't amount to sacks, like you can rattle Jared Goff easier than, say, Jordan Love. And I know that the Lions have a better offensive line, but the opportunity is there for the 49ers defensive line, given that they're dealing with some injuries. And like, damn it, if not now, when? Like this whole defense is built around the defensive line. It Look how many resources they've invested there. Eric Armstead, first-round pick. Javon Hargrave, huge free agent contract. Nick Bosa, first-round pick. Chase Young, first-round pick. The whole defense is built to get pressure with four and have seven in coverage. That's how they're designed to work. And there have been too many games this season where we're sitting here afterwards saying, where was the pass rush? Where was the defensive line? It's now or never, man. If you get pressure on Goff, he's going to retreat. He's going to turn into a shell of himself. We have seen it in the nine games he's played with the 49ers. Nick Bosa literally said it yesterday on the podium, which was kind of stunning to me. Um, and they have the, the people to do it, damn it. They could shut this thing down, even if it's only for a couple of possessions. If Like if the Niners get the ball first and they go down and score, if that if that D line can just get some pressure and give you know a three and out on the Lions and the Niners get the ball back a chance to go up two scores early like that is massive in the game it doesn't have to be an all game thing but they can just do it a couple of times and the and the offense can capitalize you tilt the entire game script in the 49ers favor yeah I agree and. Nick Bosa's comments kind of reminded me of his comments before last season's NFC championship game about uh, Jalen Hurts. Like he, he kind of had similar thoughts about like, well, different quarterbacks, but just the confidence that you kind of heard in Nick Bosa. Oh, if we just do this, like <laughs> the game will kind of uh, come to us. Uh, and I wanted to share uh, that video. Let's see if it works because, you know, my my Internet right now is a little little iffy. But let me throw it up here. Yeah, I think he is the same guy. Um, not saying he's played great in L.A. and he's played great with Detroit. Uh but um, the key is obviously getting pressure on him. Um, he's got a really good O-line, so it makes it tough. But uh, you, you cover up his first couple reads, and then you get after him, hit, it, hit him a few times, it changes things a little bit. Yeah, so, I mean, I think they have a plan, and that plan is to get pressure on Jared Goff. Like we said, I think it's going to be a little easier said than done, but the door is ever so slightly open for them to step a foot in there and, you know, get pressure on Goff because of the injuries. So I, I don't know. I'm feeling confident. Like I, I hope they're not just, you know, saying these things. Um, and I'm, I don't know. Cause I'm getting kind of pumped up for the defensive line this week. I think we see a better performance. 
We have to. We have to see it. And Nick Bosa used to be a guy in the playoffs that would step up in the biggest moments. He would come through. That was, for me, that was one of the most exciting things about him. It wasn't just, hey, he's a great player. It was in the biggest moments when you need a play, Nick Bosa steps up. And to be fair, against the Seahawks last year, he did, right? Seahawks are driving in the third quarter with a chance to tie the game. He provides pressure. Cleveland Farrell strips the ball and Bosa recovers it. And then after that, the 49ers dominated the rest of that game. But I don't think Nick Bosa's had a sack in like his last four playoff games, something like that. Like it's time, 97. You got to be the best 97 on the field. Forget Aiden Hutchinson. You got to be the best 97 on the field. We need it now, Nick. It is time. It sure is time. Uh, Sursky asks, is there a way the 49ers can bring in Sue for more additional inside help? I mean, Sue was someone we kind of mentioned like weeks ago. I I think that ship has sailed um, for the 49ers. And I don't know if he even joins any contender at this point. It's kind of late. I was actually surprised to see Zach Gertz uh, join the Lions this week. It's so far um, into the journey, but yeah, I, I think the 49ers are pretty much set. That's where I think like Kalia Davis potentially can come into play if, you know, he's ready in the next week or so. Yeah, the Sue thing like was hot for a half a minute. Got me got me some nice views on a video I made on our YouTube channel on the Gold Standard Network. So thank you, Indomit and Sue for that. But apparently that's that's not the route the 49ers are going. And, and we'll see if Zach Ertz ends up. Uh, I don't even know if he's going to play in this game because uh, I think he's on the practice squad right now. But. Who knows? They could they could elevate him. He was in the building uh, for them yesterday. So they're tied into uh, something, right? I forget his first Brock name, Ryder. but yes. Brock, right? Okay, so he he's out, and that's why they, they brought in Ertz. So out of necessity, they might activate him for this game. And there's some familiarity there because I believe their tight end coach um, used to be uh, – used to coach him somewhere down the line. Arizona, so Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've kind of been mentioning it this entire time. The time is now, right? And Brandon Ayuk fittingly closed out his presser yesterday saying the time is now, the time is now, the time is right now. That's it. It feels like, um, and it better feel like, you know, the 49ers have a different feeling in this game because this is back where last season ended for them. And it's kind of like, okay, now we know what we got to do. We made it here. We've been talking about it all season long. Now it's time to put up or shut up. So I, I'm getting that energy. I felt like I was getting it last week, but like I said, they came out a little flat or like little flatter than we expected. Credit to the Packers, I guess. But what are you thinking about, you know, the quotes that we're seeing from this team, like, do you feel, are you believing uh, this team that they're motivated to get the win this time around? I loved all the quotes and Fred Warner got to the podium and he like, I, I'm pretty sure he must have watched my show yesterday with Grant because what I had said <laughs> during that show was it's been a really long time since we've seen this 49ers team at their best, right? We always say if they play their best, they can beat anybody. But we haven't seen their best really since the Eagles game. And I loved that Fred Warner got to the podium yesterday and said the time for hey, we've got a lot of stuff to clean up and we'll get them next time and we can improve the time for that. That is over. It's over. There's no more time left for that. It is bring your best right now when your best is needed. And they seem to recognize that 
Now we have to see if they can go out on the field and actually execute that. And hopefully they can, because for the thousandth time this year, if they play their best, they will humiliate the Lions. It's not even close. The Lions at their best are not close to the 49ers at their best. Yeah, I agree. And and just the fact that earlier we mentioned, hey, it was a really close game with the Bucks mm-hmm. last week. So I think if the 49ers are at their best, which I think we know clearly they were not last week, and there were a number of factors that I think played into that, um, you know, the 49ers should – should be able to have one of their favorable game scripts. Like, I I think there's that possibility in this game. And I know, Rob, you're nervous about this game and whatnot, but I don't know. I feel feel more confident or, okay, maybe not that that's not the right word. I feel less worried going into this game than I was in last year's NFC Championship game. Mm, yeah, I, I think so. I think last year's Eagles team was <laughs> really freaking Yeah, they were, they were dangerous. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I don't think this Lions team is as good as that Eagles team. Uh, we, obviously, we never got to saw the game last year. That was the weird thing about last year. You know, I talked earlier about how we're either going to feel really good or really bad at the end of Sunday. I didn't even feel that bad last year because I felt like we didn't even lose. Like it was like this yeah, such weird. weird circumstances that it was like, okay. Like it, it didn't hurt as much as it would have hurt if the Niners just got beat. Well, we're not going to face that this year, knock on wood or pray to the gods or do everything that we have to do. Um, so it, we are headed towards that kind of feeling. I, look, I hope you're right, Steph. I hope that your confidence is well-founded and, and it does, we do get one of those game scripts because we also haven't had one of those like classic 49er game scripts in a while too, where they get up early by multiple scores. They can run the ball. They can play action. And even if the other team does score, the Niners get the ball back and go right down the field again and make it a two score game again. Let's get one of those. Can we have one of those please? And I, I need that because I think it like if the 49ers win in that dominating fashion again, I think, they go into the Super Bowl feeling good. I think the the media, the way they would be talking about the 49ers would be different, right? It's like, oh, wow, like, are they back to their dominating ways? Like, watch out, Ravens or Chiefs, you know? Um, so I I like that. I think that's needed. I I would like to see it. Um, and, yeah, hopefully, hopefully they get it done. I don't think it's really hit me how important this game is, but – <laughs> you know, the players, the players seem to be locked in. And I think for Brock Purdy too, like I, he couldn't even finish, you know, the game last year. So for him, I think it's, he seems to be very much always looking ahead and, you know, he doesn't think too much about the past and he doesn't let that carry into, uh, you know, this year he's he, it's kind of what he said in his presser yesterday, but there's gotta be like some feeling of we're here again. Like I have to, put this team on my back and and get this win. And we see a lot of people saying, you know, we're doing it for Trent this year. And I think like Brock, he's doing it for all the vets, right? Like all these guys have different motivators to get this win. And they all seem very selfless, right? It isn't about, I got to get this because of, you know, this goal I have for myself. It's like, no, I want to do it for that guy because he plays so hard and, you know, he's been doing it all year and I want to get a ring for that guy. And that to me, that just speaks to the type of team that the 49ers have and, you know, just the characters in the locker room and and how selfless they are with each other. I'm a little worried about Brock. 
I think exactly because I think if you've listened to what he has said multiple times this year, he's talked about how we have such a good team. We have so many good players and we have to win for those guys. And how when they were losing against the Packers, he thought we have all these good players and it's just not right that we're losing. I think he gets a little shook, Steph. I think he gets in his head like, oh God, I can't screw this up for them. And he admitted he was shook in the Packers game. He said it yesterday. After Darnell Savage dropped that interception, he got tentative. That was his words, not mine. So this idea that Brock Purdy is like this unflappable guy um, is not true. I think he feels the weight of where they are. And I I don't love it. I mean, he's still a very inexperienced quarterback. You know, I think someone, if he had a few more years under his belt, I think he would shift more into, yeah, there is those expectations, but also screw this. I'm tired of being tentative. I'm going to go out and stick it to these guys. Like perfect example, Patrick Mahomes in the locker room after they beat the bills said they, they asked for this and they got what they asked for. Like he was like, okay, you want to see me on the road? Here we go. I'm going to stick it to you. And he did. And I think that Brock, he can get in that mode at times, but I think his first reaction and his first instinct at this point in his career is, I can't screw this up for these guys. We're so good. We have so many good people here. I can't be the reason that we don't win. So that that scares me a little because that's a hard leap to make. But that's not a bad thing. Like, is it bad that he puts that on himself? And I, you know, I actually think him thinking that is what put him in that locked in mode in that final game winning drive that he put together. Um I mean, that's kind of what he said, right? That like when they were down, he that's what he was thinking about. And so I don't know. I think it could motivate him um, to be good. But I, I see what you're saying. Like the pressure could be a lot and it is a lot of pressure. It's definitely way more pressure than this team and Brock had at this time last year. You know, last year was like, oh, cool. Like we weren't expecting to get here with like our third string quarterback. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, Brock was just kind of figuring out who he was as a quarterback. It was kind of like a fun ride probably, you know, for him a little bit. And now it's like, well, shit, now we're back to where we were. We can't lose this time after all the talk we did all off season, after all the hyping up of ourselves we did throughout the season. So there's pressure. There's definitely pressure. And most of it does fall on the quarterback. Like that's just how it is. Um, okay. Here. So I have a thought, you know, how he said that he was getting tentative after he nearly threw that pick. Mm-hmm. I feel like Brock is kind of rounding out to be the quarterback he's going to be. And I am starting to sense a little bit of he's okay. Taking the check down. Um, and I see where sometimes that is good because, you know, sometimes you don't need to force the big play. But I think part of what made him like so great in, you know, this limited time that we've seen him is that he was aggressive. Uh, but at the same time, I'm also like, well, yeah, these are big moments, Brock. Like you can't be too aggressive. You can't get too greedy. Uh, but and so I go back and forth. I'm like, you know, I appreciate that you're wanting to be more careful, but at the same time, like we, we need more, like, you know, so that fine line is very difficult. And so like, where are you with Brock? Like what, where exactly do you want him to be in all this? Like, do you like the more, you like the more aggressive Brock or like the 
okay, careful, Brock. Like, don't do too much. You're right. It's such a fine line. The tightrope that he has to walk because, first of all, don't just look at Brock with the 49ers. Look who Brock has been in his entire football life. And he's talked about this. For the most part, he was, I need to be Superman. I need to make a play guy. That's who he was. That's who he was at Iowa State, scrambling around, making plays. He he has that mentality of like, I need to make a play here, which I think is good because if you don't have that, I don't think you can ever get it. I don't like Alex Smith to me, never had that. He he just didn't. He was very much working the system. To me, that just wasn't who he was. And it's really hard to get somebody to be more aggressive when that's not in their nature. So I like that Brock has that aggressive nature. The interesting thing to me was what he said. And he's so honest. I love how honest he is in the, in the press conferences. He said against the Packers, he was looking to make the play down the field. And then by the time he got to the checkdowns, he didn't trust the checkdowns because he was so late getting to the checkdowns. And that's what got him in trouble. And when he said was on the final drive, I just started going to the checkdowns, you know, faster, essentially. So I think he was still looking to make the big play, but he wasn't looking as long. And that's the line. It's great to look for doubles over singles. But how long do you do that before you say, hey, it's just not there in this play. Let me check it down. But also situationally, like, yeah, in in a game-winning drive where you have to move the ball in order to survive and get down the field, Mm -hmm. yeah, like the checkdowns are your best friend, but that may not necessarily work for an entire game, right? So I think, like, that's also difficult to kind of navigate in-game, try to figure out, okay, in this moment, let's let's go for it, right? And so – I guess I'm I don't want Brock to turn into like <laughs> this checkdown merchant that people thought he was all season because he really wasn't. Um, you know, I, I've always appreciated his aggressiveness. Uh, but just, you know, to you know, keep it keep it at the safe levels. Uh, <laughs> but you know, as as we acknowledge that that is difficult to do. Now, one of the things that Brock mentioned in his presser yesterday, he was asked about the little mini blow up with Ray Ray McLeod and and McLeod not being where Brock expected him and Brock kind of, you know, getting in his uh, face a little bit and, and on the sideline. He was honest about that too, which I, which I really appreciate. And I think that's so difficult for like a young quarterback to go up to a veteran player like McLeod guy that's, you know, much older than you and, and tell him like, you're wrong. Like you, you should have done this and that. And I, I know Kittle like mentioned like, hell yeah, Brock, like, yeah, you, you tell those guys. Um, I think that's how you earn respect from your players too. Cause as a quarterback, I mean, you do have a lot of ownership over the offense and you have to be able to tell your guys, look, you were wrong here um, and have those pep talks on the sideline and get on the same page. That's one thing that I think, quarterbacks in in the past in the Shanahan era maybe lacked and that's one thing that Brock has that I think really helps him connect with this group of guys I think that I liked Kittle's answer did you see Kittle on the Pat McAfee show yeah where basically he was like once that happened with McLeod and Brock got mad and like you can see Brock yell at him what are you doing on the field Uh Brock kind of snapped in and that's what I mean. I think I wonder if it was that moment where Brock stopped thinking about, oh, my God, all this pressure, you know, it's slipping away. And then he was just like, 
God damn it, people. Let's go. Get where you need to be and let's stop screwing around and let's go. And then George said he kind of locked in. And then as we saw, Brock only ended up throwing one more incompletion in the game, which was the drop from Kittle himself. Otherwise, he would have been perfect the rest of the way. And yeah, quarterbacks in my in my mind, they need to have that. And it, it's nice if you can have it for the whole game too. And that's where, like, if he gets to that point where he can kind of control his offense in a way, like, I mean, Tom Brady is maybe an extreme example. Cause like, to me, Tom Brady always was like yelling. <laughs> he is always yelling at his offensive line. That's a little much, but like, if you can have that type of, like, I don't know, energy towards your offense and be like, Hey guys, like we got to go kind of like Fred, Fred is the same way with the defense. And I know like the 49ers put out some clips that were mm-hmm. you know, awesome of him talking to guys on the sideline and motivating his group. Brock could be the same way. And I feel like he's getting to that point. And once he figures out like, Hey, like they take me seriously, maybe even more so if I, you know, if I talk to them about this and that, and, you know, I command the offense a little bit more on this, it's different commanding the offense on the field versus like on the sideline after the fact. And you're like, Hey, this is what we got to do all these things. So I don't know. I, I feel like that's something we're seeing coming out of Brock. And I think it's really good, especially for this little stretch run that they're in. Well, we heard, right, that he told Kittle to shut up in the huddle that one time. Like, <laughs> it seems like. He's hopefully- done it before. Yeah, but he's not afraid to do that. Uh, I think sometimes people forget that he's 24 years old. Like, he's a super young player. This is his second year in the league. He's going to grow into that, you know? And I, I think that, honestly, I think inexperience reared its head last week with Jordan Love, who melted down at the end of that game. I mean, that throw that Jordan Love makes on the final interception, there's no it's impossible to make that throw. He's running full speed to his right. He throws back across his body over the middle, 35 yards down the field. No one is making that throw. Not Mahomes, not Brady, not Lamar, nobody. Um, And I think that's just inexperience from him. Not realizing, Hey, it's first down. We've got timeouts. We've got time left. Brock to his credit got better at the end of the game. And maybe that's because Brock does have a couple of playoff games under his belt. Whereas Jordan love only had the one. I don't know. But we're going to see in this game, I don't think Jared Goff is going to have that same inexperience. He's been to a Super Bowl before. He's 29 years old. You know, like he's, I don't think he's going to play that same way. So it's going to be interesting to see the comparison between those two guys. Yeah, that's kind of what I was going to mention. You know, funny enough, we've seen Brock make those uh, crossbody throws that have ended uh, kind of horribly. But Jared Goff, yeah, he's been here before uh, several other times. Uh, of course, we the 49ers have seen it several times, and I, I think that helps the 49ers, though. I know everyone's talking about this is this Lions team. The 49ers haven't faced them this year, uh, and Brock hasn't faced this Lions team even last year. So I, I saw someone mention that Brock does better against a team he's faced twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jared Goff, on the other hand, the 49ers have a lot of experience with I think that helps the 49ers in this case. Like I think the 49ers have shown when, when they know a guy's tendencies and they've seen it so many times and they faced it so many times, like they, they don't know how to stop it. Uh, so I think it's going to be that for, for Jared Goff, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this game unfolds. Rob, do you have any, uh, have you thought about your score prediction? Oh, just score one more point than they do, please. <laughs> like that's all we need, right? I, 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 I think don't ask for much. <laughs> yes. 
I think that the 49ers should be able to move the ball down the field. If they don't turn it over, they should be able to put up 30 points against the Lions defense. I know that Aiden Hutchinson is really good, and clearly he has an advantage over Colton McKivitz, but the Niners have been dealing with Colton McKivitz all year, and it's not like Aiden Hutchinson is the first great pass rusher the 49ers have faced. So you can't just say, well, he's going to wreck the whole offense. The Niners should be able to run it against the Lions. They should be able to throw it against the Lions. They should be able to put up 30 points against this team. And if you put up 30 points in a playoff game, you should win it. I'm not saying the Lions won't be able to move the ball, but you can't give up 30 points if you're this 49ers defense. And I don't think they will. I think the 49ers will win, but I, I, I got odds. I'll, I'll say 35-21. 30, no, 35-28. How about that? I like how we just like stick numbers to the wall and just kind of yep. see what, 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 what sticks. Um, yeah. About Aiden Hutchinson, you know, I asked people like, okay, what player are you most nervous about on the 49ers for this game? And then maybe the most uh, interesting response that I got was I'm not worried about Colton McKivitz because he's been bad all year. And I was like, you know what? Like, that makes a lot of sense. Like, the 49ers have survived games of Colton McKivitz, you know, being bad. Um, and, you know, Brock Purdy can can survive that a little bit. So I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And to your point, Rob, like, they've faced premier pass rushers this season maybe more than they ever have this year and I feel like the fact that the Lions have just that one guy to focus on or the 49ers have one guy on the Lions defensive line to really focus on Hutchinson I think that helped the Packers had a few guys you kind of had to account for so you couldn't really like put all your resources towards one specific guy I feel like the Lions different you know with Hutchinson you can you can chip him. You can do some things to help out Colton McKivitt. So I'm not as worried about that. Maybe I should be. I think he'll he'll win some some uh, reps. But anyway, all that to say. Uh, okay, so what did you say? You said 35. Was 28. 28. Okay, so mine is 33. 17. Wow, you are confident. Uh, okay. So yesterday I gave like another score prediction. I think I said 27 to 23, but I think you're right. I think the 49ers should be able to get 30 points uh, with this team. So I, yeah, I, I definitely, oh, here we go. You got, what are you sharing here? Cause I can't see it. The Niners honorary captain for the NFC championship game will be Joe Montana. While the captain will be Barry Sanders. So the big guns are coming out this weekend. And I will say this, if we are just going to compare the playoff resumes of those two honorary captains, Joe Montana was a God in the playoffs. He never threw an interception in a Super Bowl. Barry Sanders was hideously bad in the playoffs in his career. Just, you know, not for nothing, but those are the facts and they are not in dispute. Screw it. Let's have them suit up. Both of them. <laughs> um, hey, Broncos down. Yeah. Put 16 in. <laughs> uh, dude. When, so when teams do stuff like this, it's like, you can't, you can't lose. You can't lose when, you know, Joe Montana is the honorary team captain. Like you just can't. Okay. Don't do it to us. Um, yeah. So I, I am confident Rob, but I, th- I, I say cautiously confident is what I've been saying this week. So I think that's going to continue just because I'm counting on this team to be the team that we saw early in the season, that dominant, you know, 
get into an early lead and never look back, leave no doubt kind of team. I'm, I don't know. I don't want to see that, that other team we saw last week. Yeah. They squeaked out the win. I don't know if you can expect that you can do that twice. Um, but I, I have confidence that they're going to put it together in this one. So why haven't we seen that dominant team in so long? We haven't seen it since before the Ravens game. The Eagles game was the last time I felt like we saw the Niners at their best. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I did see some. So I think it was David Lombardi. He he posted the stats of the team with Hufunga and after Hufunga. And I was like, damn, that those are actually like pretty staggering differences. Uh, so maybe it's just Hufunga not being out there anymore. I, I don't know. Like, I, I think Jair Brown's done a good job, which, by the way, I don't know. Maybe the door's open on him potentially playing um, some on, on Sunday. Tig can actually make an interception. I don't need to see broke-ass Logan Ryan on the – what is Logan Ryan going to do? He was on his couch. He was on, like, a Disney cruise. Go back on the Disney cruise, Logan Ryan. You, you let Aaron Jones run past you like Pluto running past Goofy. Go back on the Disney cruise. Yeah, so, like, about that, I feel like the Kyle left the door open for, for Tig to yeah. potentially play in the game, which I was obviously um, happy by. I think we all kind of were. I was wanted to put the slide up, but my – here. Um, this was Kyle's quote on – on take. So to me, it sounds like he could play. He had a better week of practice. Again, practice is huge for Kyle. So maybe Tig coming out of that injury practice wasn't so hot. So Kyle was like, eh, I don't know. I'm going to stick with uh, Logan Ryan. But now I think maybe feeling a little bit better about Brown. And yeah, he can get interceptions. This is the game against Jared Goff that you, you, you know, I think you play for the interceptions in this one. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I, like I said, cautious confidence for me this week. Um, I'm excited for my preview tomorrow with uh, Lori Fitzpatrick. Uh, Rob, what do you got going on uh, for the rest of this week? So last night I was a guest on the Pride of Detroit First Bite podcast with Jeremy Reisman. Uh, that's up on our YouTube channel now. If you want to take a deep dive on the Lions, that'll drop uh, later tonight, the audio version of the pod. And then to, uh, also I'm streaming with Levin Black a little, about an hour from now, or an hour and a half, uh, live on the Gold Standard Network YouTube channel. And very excited, uh, the QB school himself, JT O'Sullivan, is going to join me tomorrow. Nice on the pod so super excited about that his brock purdy breakdowns are just incredible yeah. uh, so that's going to go up on our youtube channel that'll be a podcast as well so we're pulling out all the stops before the nfc championship game hell yeah i love it playoff football playoff content is just yeah. different we're on a different level here so make sure that you like this video make sure you subscribe not just to my channel but rob's as well gold standard network steph 49k uh, but for now, have a good rest of your Thursday, folks. Peace.